It's time for the Savvy Realtor Podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Angie Cole, the owner and broker in charge of A. Cole Realty, serving you throughout the triangle, teaching you about the ins and outs when it comes to buying or selling a home. You can find the team online by going to acolerealty.com. That's A-C-O-L-E, realty.com, or by calling 919-578-3128. That's 919-578-3128. And now it's time for one of the top Realtors in the triangle, Angie Cole, and the Savvy Realtor Podcast. Got a couple of headlines I wanted to run by you, Angie, to get your opinion and uh, takeaway on these things. First one has to do with uh, millennials, and it says that more millennials are paying mortgages themselves. So it's a recent survey that found fewer millennials are asking their parents for help in order to pay for a mortgage to buy their first home, and that the bulk of the increase has been reflected in millennial women who are more financially independent than previous generations. I'm curious, are you seeing this trend yourself? And what do you think of that? Women power. I love it. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. I, you know, thinking of the buyers that we're representing or, you know, have recently represented in the past, I can't think of one who had the assistance of their parents. I would say the only assistance they received was maybe if, you know, they need to move forward quickly on a home. And so the parents help be a co-signer initially. And then as soon as they sell their other home, then they're paying their parents off or getting them off the loan. So, you know, or maybe I've I've seen some situations that they are tied into their lease for a couple more months, but they also, they don't want to lose out on potential homes. So maybe the parents help them up front. But then again, it's just, you know, just in the beginning, it's not long-term. So yeah, I am seeing that most of the millennials that we are working with, they are financially stable and they've, you know, done a great job with saving, you know, monies for down payment, you know, their their credit scores are up. But yeah, they've just been smart when it comes to money and they're able to afford homes on their own. So, you know, I, I, I don't really know if I can compare women versus men as far as I'm seeing more women in in this state where they're able to financially afford on their own versus men. Um, I just feel in general, the clients that we've been representing are, you know, I guess being savvy when it comes to watching their, you know, their financials. I guess it's a natural evolution too, because we're old now, millennials, right? (laughs) Like we're we're not not kids anymore. We got a lot of us have kids, and so we've got some age on on a a big portion of the millennials. So just natural growth of us is, and that's so true. Like, yeah, we're we're millennials, but you know, I'm I'm 35. It's like I'm not young anymore. For some reason, you think of the word millennial and you think of youngins, but you know, what's the stage now below millennials? And I'm drawing a blank. Z Z Generation Z Generation. I think it's Generation Z. I think you're right. So now them, they're probably getting the assistance a lot, right, from from the family members, from the parents. But, you know, the millennials, yeah, we're, we're getting up there in age. And I know, you know, personally, you know, I'm not buying my first home anymore. You know, I've already yeah. sold my first home several years ago. So because I did that in my 20s personally. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in a state where I'm, I'm not relying on my parents in any way to uh, assist. Right. And I think a lot of us are at that age that we don't need the assistance of our family. Yeah, yeah. We got uh, millennials seems to be the agreed upon date ending in uh, 1995. And then 1996 began Generation Z or iGen or Centennials is then the next thing after that. I can't keep up with all these. Too many now. 
too. Yeah. Yeah. We're just getting old. That just means we're getting old. That's right. That's right. Yeah. When you, the more and more of these generational names we add, you know, you're just getting older at that point. Uh-huh. So interesting to see how they've uh, how they've formed. Like here, here are the different generations. Just a, a non real estate connection here, but you had the traditionalists and the silent generation and baby boomers. Then all of a sudden we got weird with Generation X and then Millennials and Gen Y and then Gen Z. Now now we're like uh, an iPhone, iGen, right? It's the lowercase I with the capital yeah, G, you know, yeah. iGen. Like, and I guess that's probably what they're going for there is it's the, the digital generation growing up on iPhones uh, and that kind of thing. You're smart. I, I guess that's what that. they're going for. Yeah. It seems that way. And then think, cent- yeah. Centennials, that's an interesting one too, so... Maybe that's because they expect all those kids to live to be 100. You know, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Another headline here, Angie. Uh, there's a bill that proposes cutting FHA insurance fees for first-time homebuyers. So this hmm. passed in the House last month, and it would cut the upfront mortgage insurance fees on FHA loans for first-time homebuyers if they take part. This is the if, uh, but it's not a bad if. If they take part in housing counseling. And so it would be a 25 basis point discount on your FHA loan insurance. And it's now gone to the Senate for a vote. Seems like a net positive for buyers. I wish this was in place when uh, when I bought my first home on an FHA loan. Yeah, definitely 100% a positive, right? I mean, that's, you know, could be a couple hundred dollars that the, you know, buyer would be saving going the FHA yeah. route. So that's huge. When normally, you know, you, you need to invest, you know, 20% into the home sale. I could have bought a piece um, of furniture to put in that house. I know. You wouldn't be sleeping <laughs> just on a cot right. in an empty home. <laughs> on the flip side, though, this concerns me a little bit. You know, are we making it too easy for just anyone to purchase, right? Making it almost too affordable. And then we will get into the same situation that we were in, you know, whenever we had a crash, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, are, are we messing a little bit too much with lending? Just like in the past, you know, anyone could get a loan and then all of a sudden we had this major crash, all these foreclosures, you know, just a horrible market. And so it does concern me a little bit as far as are we, are we making it too easy again for the general public to purchase a home and almost too affordable for everyone. And, you know, counseling's great, but, you know, if there's someone who really shouldn't be purchasing a home, you know, because they can't truly afford it, that that concerns me a bit because what's to say that counseling is going to help them and they won't lapse on their payments and then we have foreclosures again. So I'm kind of iffy about this. Yeah, it seems to be, I mean... Be- it's not it's like they're making it protection. It's not like That's they're making it, it free. So sure, you know, they're trying to, you know, put off their risk a little bit. So if they say, all right, well, if we, if you take this class, we'll denote you as less risky. Therefore, you're deserving yeah. of a slightly less insurance payment. So so it'd be the lender that's taking, you know, the, the major risk here because they typically, you know, collect that mortgage insurance for their extra protection. So who knows? It'd be interesting to see if this passes. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it seems like a relatively minimal decrease. So it's not like they're getting rid of it or making it free or anything like that. So it's just a seems yeah. like a small benefit. So maybe it's not the kind of thing where now you're just having the floodgates open with, you know, technically unqualified homebuyers coming. Sure, sure. So I don't know. I mean, as still, uh, you know, I, I wish this was in place when I was going through the, the process. I'd take yeah. that 25 basis point discount oh, yeah. for sure. Me too. <laughs> All right. Uh, another bill, uh, not another bill, but another headline, I should say. How long before you drop your sales price? So this was a survey that was done by, uh, I think it's a, like a, a Bitcoin company called ShelterZoom, or it's some sort of, uh, not, not Bitcoin, but a digital 
digital company called Shelter Zoom, uh, whatever they do, blockchain, I think. It's a, some sort of real estate blockchain company. In any event, uh, they found that most home sellers will wait at least three months before considering a price reduction on a home that's not selling. So 33% said they would cut the price after that length of time. Now, there actually were more that would wait longer. Wow. Um, 12% said they would never lower. Okay, so that's our our never. I'm never going to lower. 26% said five months or more. So 26% said five months or more, and another 33% said three months was the right amount of time. So you've got over half there saying three or more months. I'm in awe. And maybe I'm assuming that this is really market specific, and this is an overall general basis on, you know, U.S. in general. But in our market, you know, if a home is not sold in three months, there's something wrong with it. Mm -hmm. And typically, you know, all right, you have condition, you have location, you have price, and you have, of course, marketing of the agent. But, you know, typically, it always boils down to price point. And so um, I do not agree with actually any of these stats as far as percentages. Um, In our market, you know, I and it, it really, first of all, is determined based on location and price. Because a home that's you know, maybe a townhome under 200000 in Raleigh. If we don't have an offer on that home within 15 days, I would suggest a price correction, okay? Now, maybe a home in Raleigh that's an $800,000 home, you know, let's maybe do a price tweak after 30 days, you know, but I would never wait for three months. That's just, at that point, you look like an unrealistic seller and you'll start chasing the market. And I always tell my sellers that we want to price your home correctly from the beginning, so if we're seeing that we're not getting the showings, we, we should be receiving. And I can tell you our marketing is just amazing and top notch. And once our stager comes through your home, she gives you a wonderful guidance. And so I know your home is showing great. That clearly it's a price factor as far as why your home's not selling. So instead of us being kind of one step behind and chasing the market, we need to always be ahead of the market to get an offer sooner and to get you highest price point. So Three months is too long to wait for your first price correction. Yeah, the lowest barometer they gave was twenty. It was a uh, one one month, the one, one month, month mark, and there yeah, were twenty yeah. percent who said that by the one month mark they would definitely by discount. one month. It's yep. So. What price point you're at at one month? I would highly suggest that we do some type of price correction. Uh huh. Very interesting. So you're you're yeah. way way different opinion than what this uh, survey is finding. Here. Yeah, yeah. And once again, you know, at every market. I mean, even from the Triangle versus going to Fayetteville, mm-hmm. our markets are completely different. So you know, it's really market specific as far as at what point should you consider a price correction for homes not under contract. One more thought. Here's the interesting consideration. This survey was of sellers not of agents. So it may have been with people who are planning to sell their home. That's true. That's true. And so it's before they've gotten good advice from an agent. So it's actually kind of probably a representation of expectations and reality or before you get expert advice versus after you get expert advice. Because I would imagine that there are a lot of agents who are more in in your ballpark in that line of thinking and not so much saying, yeah, we're going to wait 12 months, you know. Yeah. And and just, you know, yeah, understanding the market, being educated on, you know, what we are seeing in in our, you know, specific market. So without having that education and knowing, you know, okay, these are the average days in the market. This is typically how long it should take me to sell my home if my home's not sold. Clearly, there's an issue there, right? So not having that guidance and education definitely could maybe appeal to these higher percentages of waiting longer, you know, waiting 
three months before a price correction. And Angie, you give good, compelling reasons for why you would not want to wait. So I think that's uh, that's the other thing to take away here because, yeah, you start thinking about more than just a price question. It becomes a what else is wrong question yeah. when the homes sit and get stale and stay on. Well, oh, no one's bought this. So what's wrong with it? You know, yeah, not yep, just, exactly. oh, it's it's more expensive than I want to pay. That That's an easier hurdle to overcome than the next one. So. Sure. Uh, Most definitely. Good questions for sure. You've been listening to the Savvy Realtor podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Angie Cole. She's the owner and broker in charge of A. Cole Realty here in the Triangle. And if you have questions for Angie, we invite you to go online to acolerealty.com. Listen to past podcast episodes on the website, read the blog and all the great information, including the option to find a home right there on the website. That's acolerealty.com. And you can also call Angie with your questions, 919-578-3128. 